We're going to start out by uh, looking at a crime that happened, and uh, everybody here in the Detroit area certainly is going to remember this. Early summer of 1982, if you were around, the brutal murder here in Detroit that left 27-year-old Chinese-American Vincent Chin dead, and uh, that happened from repeated beatings by two Detroit auto workers, Roger Evans and Michael Nitz. In the aftermath, the two perpetrators faced no jail time for the murder, and the Chin family was left without a son, a brother. Chin's fiance was left without a husband. That crime catalyzed what became the Asian American movement. And tonight, Cinema Detroit's gonna hold a virtual screening of the 1987 documentary called Who Killed Vincent Chin? Joining me in the studio to discuss further, we have Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire. Good morning. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Thank you. Uh, you know, this terrible murder of Vincent Chin, even though it happened nearly 40 years ago, the reason we're talking about it now and the reason there's a screening and a panel discussion tonight virtually at Cinema Detroit is that hate crimes all over the U.S., as we well know, are still happening. And brutal hate crimes against Asian Americans are happening again in higher and higher numbers. And joining us on the line is Juanita Anderson. She's an acclaimed filmmaker and educator here at Wayne State University and executive producer of the film Who Killed Vincent Chin. And Paula Yu is joining us as well. She's the author of the new nonfiction book, From a Whisper to a Rallying Cry, The Killing of Vincent Chin and the Trial that Galvanized the Asian American Movement. They're both going to be part of that panel discussion happening tonight after the film screening, and they join us now. Thank you both for taking the time to be with us on the show today. Thank you for inviting us. Hi, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, no, I want to reiterate that this this terrible incident here in Detroit, uh, it happened nearly 40 years ago. Uh, there are a lot of people who may not remember all the details, who, who a lot of people who weren't there uh, and weren't alive at the time and to remember the coverage that happened afterward. Uh, Juanita, uh, as the executive producer of this film that came out in 1987, can you take us into... Uh, both of you, I'd like to take us into the events that led up to the murder of Vincent Chin here in Detroit. Well, I think, I mean, I had just returned to Detroit uh, in 1982, several months before uh, Vincent Chin was killed. And at the time, we were at the height of an auto recession. Um, and as was noted in the film, when there is a recession in the United States, it becomes a depression in Detroit. Many auto workers were out of work. Um, it was a difficult time economically um, for residents throughout the state. Many people were leaving the state to find jobs at the time. And there was a distinct anti-Asian um, feeling particularly about Japanese autos and that sort of translated into an anti-Asian sentiment. There used to actually be um, a sign that lasted for years on the UAW headquarters that said park your foreign car in Japan. Um, so there, there was this tremendously anti-Japanese car sentiment that translated into anti-Asian sentiment, I believe. And Paula, I'd like you to weigh in on this too. So we have this, uh, this, this melting pot of events that's happening of of of, of anti uh, foreign feelings happening, especially here in Detroit, leading up to this terrible night uh, when Vincent Chin is out celebrating his bachelor party uh, in Detroit. 
and he runs into two Detroit auto workers, Ronald Ebbins and Michael Nitz. Yes, it was June 19th, 1982, so the 40th anniversary is coming up next year. He went, uh, Vincent Chin and three of his uh, very good friends impulsively decided to have a guy's night out because he was getting married in 10 days and he was working. He was working at an engineering firm as a draftsman. He was waiting tables uh, on weekends at a Chinese restaurant in Ferndale called the Golden Star. And he was also taking a couple of college classes as well, uh, you know, trying to move up his way to becoming an engineer. And so he just, he realized he got out of work early and he thought, oh, you know what? Let me have a bachelor party. So they go out, they go to a place called the Fancy Pants Club. And while there, that's when Evans and Nitz also showed up. Um, ironically, they were on their way to a, a Tigers game, but unfortunately heard on the radio that the Milwaukee Brewers were just decimating the Tigers 10 to three. So they impulsively decided, let's go home, turn the car around. And that's when they were driving by the Fancy Pants Club and decided, ah, last call, let's go in. So it, it's just a, a perfect storm of this uh, these terrible coincidences. They sat on the other side of the catwalk. Um, from there, we didn't have iPhones back then. We didn't have surveillance cameras. So a lot of what's, what's also very fascinating about this case is it's a lot of he said, he said, she said, and witness testimony. But just to summarize the events, Apparently, some harsh words were said. Some witnesses testified hearing uh, racist Asians, anti-Asian slurs, although to this day, Evans and Nitz deny saying them. Other witnesses claim they did hear those words coming from their direction. One thing led to another. There's a fight. Everyone gets kicked out. From there, the fight escalates. Uh, and then just down the road at, at a nearby McDonald's, that's when uh, Evans and Nitz happen upon uh, Vincent Chin there with a friend. They're waiting for their friends to pick them up because, you know, they ran away from the fight. And that's when he pulls out the baseball bat and um, unfortunately beats him into a coma. And then Vincent is in a coma. He dies on June 23rd. He's buried and uh, his funeral is on June 29th, one day after the wedding was supposed to take place with uh, his bride-to-be, Vicki Wong, and all the wedding guests went to that. Then you cut fast forward very quickly to March 16th, 1983. That's when Judge Charles Kaufman, based on limited information and the fact that only the defense attorneys and the defendants showed up because back then Detroit was the murder capital of the country, the prosecutor's office, everybody was overburdened and not everybody was able to attend every single hearing because they just didn't have enough uh, people at the time. So the prosecutor's office was unable to attend that hearing. So as a result, uh, Judge Kaufman gave them the infamous $3,000 fine each plus court costs and three years probation. And from there, that's what lit the spark and the outrage in the Detroit community, especially among the Asian American community who decided to fight back, led to national protests across the country and in Detroit, which then led to a federal investigation. And the Department of Justice uh, did a federal indictment in November 1983. And both men were charged with two counts of violating Vincent Chin's uh, civil rights. And that became the first federal civil rights trial for an Asian American. Well, Paula, as you said, there, there was a lot of uh, he said, she said happening at the time. Uh, there were, were not iPhones. There was not really able to uh, ability to record like there is today events happening as they were. But Juanita, in, in the film Who Killed Vincent Chin from 1987, uh, there is some significant eyewitness testimony that you and the film's directors were able to get on tape uh, that, that, that really gave you a behind the scenes look into what did happen that night. And believe it or not, we actually filmed on celluloid. Um, I'd like to give proper credit to Renee Tajima and Christine Choi, the film's producer and director, 
whose vision and perseverance really carried us forward since we actually began working on the film in 1983. Uh, it was a long journey. Uh, there was tremendous amount of investigation. Um, and one of the big gaps that I think in terms of what actually happened um, between is what actually happened between the time that uh, Vincent Chin left the Fancy Pants Bar to the time that uh, Michael Nitz and Ronald Ebens actually arrived because we only have the witness testimony from the police officers uh, that were called to the scene. And again, we're talking to Juanita Anderson, executive producer of the film Who Killed Vincent Chin? And Paula Yu, author of the book, just came out from a whisper to a rallying cry, the killing of Vincent Chin and the trial that galvanized the Asian American movement. Now, we only have a, a limited amount of time to talk to you guys. So I want to get into I, I want to get into how this crime, as you say in the title of your book, Paula, galvanized the Asian American movement. At the time, it was uh, very disputed in the courts. It wasn't even uh, it wasn't even called really a hate crime at that time, though there was such significant evidence that it was. Uh, and of course, the the lack of um, accountability on the on the parts of Evans and Nitz, who who murdered Vincent Chin, uh, in the courtroom. Uh, really, uh, it, it took it took the Asian American movement national, and of course, as as we're seeing now, the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans rising a hundred and fifty percent, according to some sources, just from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're having to talk about this again, uh, but this is a significant moment in that movement. Yes, I um I I'm a little stunned by the timing of this book and uh, just what has happened recently. In fact, when I was working on the book um, in May of 2020, when uh, the Black Lives Matter protests started happening on that day because of uh, the tragic, tragic death and unnecessary death of um, killing of uh, George Floyd happened, that's when my publisher said, you know, I think we need to write an afterword because everything happening with the rise in anti-Asian racism because of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, it's very hauntingly similar to what happened as Juanita uh, brought up earlier about the anti-Asian sentiment that was rising as the auto industry in America was were trying to scapegoat the Japan for their economic woes and then led to just anyone who looked Asian was getting attacked on the streets and the same thing was happening today. So I did write an afterward addressing that as well. And I will say that when it, the horrible, horrific tragedy in Atlanta happened, that broke my heart. And I was especially angry when the authorities said that the killer had quote unquote a bad day, brought me back to the research I did with Judge Kaufman saying that, you know, these aren't the kinds of people that you put in prison uh, regarding the killers of Vincent Chin and saying that, um, you know, let the punishment fit the criminal, not the crime. And uh, so the bias and the um, just the injustice of it all, just the fact that it was happening all over again, just infuriated me. And especially because uh, authorities were also saying at the time in Atlanta, this may not have been a hate crime. This may not have been a biased crime. This was a crime of sexism and misogyny. And that once again, angered me because as an Asian American woman in this country, I don't, we do, we do not suffer from sexism and misogyny alone. It is always rooted in racism. And the fact that almost 40 years later, people are still unable to figure this out just 
uh, made me realize it's so important that we uh, we have to keep Vincent Chin's name alive. And that's why I'm so grateful to Juanita and everyone that did the uh, Who Killed Vincent Chin documentary, which is just an incredible, incredible film. You know, I have to point out, too, that um, Renee Tajima uh, had back in 1982 had, before Vincent Chin was killed, had just lost her brother to an anti-Asian crime. And um, as Mrs. Chin had begun traveling around the country, she uh, began documenting um, Mrs. Chin's activities along with other emerging activism that was going on around the time around anti-Asian violence. So. It was not, I mean, I think that we have to note that what's happening today is yet another instance of something that has been happening for nearly four decades or more at this point. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Paula. Oh, I just wanted to say, no, that's very true. And and I agree with you. And I think that also what's amazing is that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, our community has been fighting for decades. Uh, we've, we've been, the whole stereotype that we're quiet, that we don't rock the boat, that's actually not true. Asian American activists in college were, mar- you know, at, at uh, Vietnam War protests, they marched hand in hand with the Black Panthers in the 1960s. And I think that what was so wonderful, I, I, the one silver lining to this terrible, terrible tragedy is that uh, the Asian American community did band together. And uh, the term Asian American went from the college campus to mainstream Asian America. Like we're talking grandmas, aunties, and uncles started using the term. People people of all ages and backgrounds became overnight activists, including Vincent's mother, Lily Chin. So I think that that was a very powerful moment and that carries on today. We're seeing it today with the protests happening today in our community. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Vincent's mother, uh, Lily Chin. Uh, one of the one of the most heartbreaking aspects of this story is 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 what happened to her afterward, and 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 how this affected her life. Uh, she left not only the Detroit area; she left the U.S. She went back to her hometown in China, and she lost uh, she lost her son. And not only that, she lost someone who was going to help so, you know support her in her elderly age. Uh, it just breaks my heart, um, uh, this, the, what happened to her story after this brutal murder. You know, you're absolutely right. And I just have to say that this is one of the impetuses for us moving forward with the film, aside from realizing that this was very much a national story. As I watched the news coverage unfold locally, I realized that notwithstanding the investigation, that nobody was really talking directly to the Asian American community, aside from press clips from um, protests, uh, press conferences, nobody had the capacity to really get inside the Asian community and talk to and, and get an Asian American perspective on what was going on. And I felt that it was really essential that we tell this story from the vantage point of Asian Americans who were impacted by it. Paula, I want to ask you as well. You you told me uh, before we started the interview that you had some new information. You had in, in your in your, your incredible research for your uh, new book. You talked to people who hadn't talked to the media, hadn't talked to investigators before. Is that correct? 
Uh, well, yeah, what happened was I had access to some uh, an interesting family connection, uh, first of all, which was Jared Liu. Uh, he was a young photographer who was taking some photos for me on my research trip in Detroit. You know, I used to live in Detroit. I was a former Detroit news reporter. And I knew that he was related. I was told, oh, he's related to Vincent Chin. So when I asked him, that's when he told me my mom is Vicki Wong. And instantly, right in that moment, I knew, okay, you're part of this book now. <laughs> You've become part of my book. And he actually serves as the emotional spine of the book because it was part of the book is told, uh, most of the book is told about the Vincent Chin story chronologically and the case, but uh, in, interspersed between each section, we have a vignette about Jared uncovering his own family secret, discovering at the age of 25 that his mom was engaged to be married to Vincent Chin and learning, you know, what responsibility he had, you know, being alive today because uh, he wouldn't be here today if Vincent Chin was not killed. You know, so he felt this incredible burden and responsibility to live up to what Vincent Chin had gone through. So that was, uh, I'm the first person to write about that. And so that was um, an incredibly emotional journey for both of us. And then in terms of talking to people, uh, I talked to a lot of people who, have just remained silent and off the record for many years, including Lisa Chan, uh, who was involved with some of the research for the uh, trial. And uh, she was the one who interviewed three the three witnesses um, together and tape recorded them. And unfortunately, those tape recordings led to allegations of alleged coached witnessing, although all the witnesses to this day told me on the record and in the court, they were never coached, but it was just enough. It was just enough to open the door on May 1st, 1987, to give the jury just enough of a seed of doubt to reverse the guilty verdict, unfortunately. Um, so I was able to talk to her before she passed away in 2019, and that was a true honor um, to get her to finally kind of set the record straight uh, on the record about what happened. Juanita and Paula, now we're going to wrap up the conversation, but, you know, we've, we've gotten a little bit into this uh, in the past 15 minutes. But let's reiterate, what have we learned, what has changed and what has not changed uh, for Asian Americans and the Asian American movement since the murder of Vincent Chin? I think um, from my vantage point as a filmmaker, I think that in many respects, we are still dealing with the issues of who gets to tell whose story on screen um, and the dearth of representation, at least particularly in terms of time and placement on uh, television, on big screens about Asian American stories. There's more than there was today, um, but I think that's a critical issue. I also think, I mean, what happened just yesterday is one small step in addressing hate crimes, but the justice system has a really, really long way to go. And I think one of the important outcomes of this case um, is that it did uh, precipitate a change in victims' rights, not only in the state of Michigan, but across the nation as well. Yes, I, I, exactly. I mean, his, his case had a tangible uh, effect on the court system. She's exactly right. I wanted to say very quickly that a statistic that came out recently was that one out of four Asian American Pacific Islander teenagers have reported physical, verbal harassment and bullying due to the coronavirus pandemic uh, and anti-Asian uh, bullying in these schools. And one of the problems is Asian American history is not taught in our schools. It's not taught in depth. 
depth. You know, it's usually like two sentences about the Japanese internment camps during uh, World War II, and that's it. We don't know, we don't learn about the Chinese Exclusion Act. We don't learn about the the uh, labors on the uh, uh, railroads. We don't learn about the Korean War. About we don't learn in depth about Asian American history. So the reason why this book is aimed towards the young adult market is we want it to be taught in schools. Uh, and in fact, Illinois was the first state to finally issue a mandate saying Asian American history needs to be taught specifically in high schools. And I think that had this book, had there been more education throughout the years, maybe these teenagers would not be facing such hate right now. I will thank you so much for joining the show today. Juanita Anderson is the executive producer of Who Killed Vincent Chin, the 1987 documentary screening again tonight at Cinema Detroit virtually. Uh, Juanita Anderson, also of Wayne State and uh, an acclaimed filmmaker. And Paula Yu, author of the new book, From a Whisper to a Rallying Cry, The Killing of Vincent Chin and the Trial that Galvanized the Asian American Movement. That screening again happening tonight virtually, courtesy of Cinema Detroit and a panel discussion will be held afterward, uh, including Juanita and Paula will be on that panel. I appreciate you guys' t- uh, time so much here today. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much.